0: Now while
1: he was in Jerusalem, at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, but no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are Lord's? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh give birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind flows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from, or where it is going. So it is
0: with everyone born of the Spirit. How come this being of the <coughs> You are Israel's teachers of Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil paints the life and will not come into life for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into life, so that they be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Let's turn to uh, John chapter 3. And uh, after doing that, let pose a question for you to
2: think about. When it it comes to Jesus, are you a sign seeker or a saviour seeker? Uh, Someone who who wants to be wowed and impressed by something spectacular, or someone who knows that they need to be humbled and they need to be rescued by a dying, now risen saviour? in John's Gospel, at the end of uh, chapter 2, Jesus encounters some sign-seekers. And we're told in verse 23 of John 2, Now while he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing, and believed in his name. Uh, they They were genuinely impressed and wowed by the miracles that Jesus was able to do. And they came to wonder, even dare to believe, that perhaps Jesus was the long-expected Messiah. But these verses continue. Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. And he did not need any testimony about mankind For he knew what was in each person. These people were fans, not followers, not true disciples. And actually, they proved to be quite fair weather fans. On the surface, uh, they have a belief and an acceptance that Jesus is some great teacher who's come from God, Uh, perhaps even the long expected Messiah. But this hasn't yet brought about any deep rooted heart change and transformation that is absolutely necessary in true Christian conversion. Uh, no being born again from above, uh, from outside of ourselves, by God Himself. Uh, because with His Uh, X-ray eyes. Jesus can see to the very core and heart of each and every person's being, he was able to tell that these people were not committed to him. Uh, That at a heart level, there was no love uh, and no loyalty to the Lord Jesus. As I say, these men and women, they were sign seekers, not as yet saviour seekers. And with chapter 2 ending with those words, He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. We're introduced at the start of chapter 3 to one particular person. A man, a Pharisee, a religious person named Nicodemus. And he was an important an influential person in that society. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council, but notice that he came to Jesus at night, verse 10. And now that may have been, because that was the only quiet, uh, convenient time when Jesus wasn't busy with crowds of other people, or it may have been to avoid being seen by his fellow Pharisees as as he talked with Jesus, which would have been very much disapproved of. But in the context of John's Gospel, him coming to Jesus at night seems to have symbolic significance. There is a a darkness-light motif and contrast that runs through this passage, and indeed through the whole of the book. And him, Nicodemus, coming at night, surely shows that he himself was in darkness. That he was spiritually dead and uh, deluded at this time. And of course that puts him among these people who have seen the signs that Jesus performed and have been wowed and, and impressed by them, and at some shallow, superficial level and believed in Jesus' name. But at this time were sign-seekers. You can see that, by the way, that Nicodemus approaches Jesus. He says very respectfully, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one could perform these signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And like those people previously, Jesus is not willing yet to commit himself to Nicodemus, to affirm and embrace him as a true disciple and follower of Jesus. In fact, he challenges him, and he challenges him about his need to be born again. And he tells him in some of the most beautiful and famous verses in the whole Bible about the good news. Uh, that Jesus has come to die, to be lifted up, and that in that and through that, he rescues us from our greatest danger, our own eternal death and perishing, and all, the, all the darkness and delusion that we're in, and he gives us eternal life in, in a new and living relationship with Jesus. This is God's whole plan and his intention, captured in the most famous verse of them all, that amazing summary of the gospel that Jesus explains to Nicodemus in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so sort I'd of like us to, to look at this conversation this morning Jesus has with Nicodemus, recorded in John chapter 3 and verses 1 to 21. And Jesus seems to be talking about three main related things in this conversation. And firstly, the need to be born again, which Jesus explains in verses 1 to 10. And then secondly, the need for Jesus to be lifted up, crucified, which Jesus explains in verses 11 to 16. And thirdly, the need to come out of darkness and into the light, which Jesus explains in verses 17 to 21. And so we're going to look at these three things in turn. And firstly then, uh, Jesus explains the all-important need to be born again. After Nicodemus' polite and respectful greeting, Jesus immediately, spotting that he was a, a sign-seeker, not a, not a saviour-seeker, says to him in verse 3, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again again. Now while it's very common to hear Jesus talking about the Kingdom of God in the other Gospel books of Matthew, Mark and Luke, it's actually very unusual for, Jesus, for John to be recording Jesus speaking about the Kingdom of God in this one. And maybe that's because of the misunderstandings that surrounded this phrase. Uh, Nicodemus was probably expecting the kingdom of God to be a very external, literal, physical kingdom. Where the Messiah would come as some great political or military leader, and he with a great might and show of force would drive out and destroy all of Israel's national enemies. So at that time were the Romans and they hoped that he would restore Israel, uh, restore their land, and bring Israel back to its former glory, or perhaps even something better, something bigger and better, more glorious than Israel had ever known before. And no doubt Nicodemus would have seen the miraculous signs that that Jesus was before him, (laughs) and would have wondered and dared to believe that he was seeing the coming of the kingdom in that way. Where Jesus was going to be some great military or political leader that he and the nation could rally behind. And Jesus says to him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are (coughs) born again personally, and individually reborn and remade by God. I don't know what you make of this uh, claim by Jesus, that each of us requires an inward radical transformation, a complete overhaul and renewal from the inside out. But Nicodemus just doesn't know what Jesus is talking about. And how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. But surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. He's thinking in pretty literal, physical ways in keeping with the understanding of what the Kingdom of God is like. But Jesus drives home that the kingdom of God is not physical, it's not of flesh, it's spiritual. Verses 5 and 6. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit." Now now Jesus isn't talking in riddles here. I don't know whether it's making much sense to you, but he's telling us that we shouldn't be surprised by what he's saying. He must be born again. And and later on in in verse 10, uh, Jesus seems to be himself the one who's surprised when he says to, to Nicodemus, You are Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? And so what Jesus is saying should have been obvious and known to someone who was familiar with their Old Testament Bible and its promises. Because years before, the prophet Ezekiel we're told of a time when, well, although it doesn't actually use the word "born again," the people will have this this radical inward transformation and overhaul. they will be washed; it would be clean with water, as Jesus said, and they will be renewed in their hearts by the Spirit. This born of water and of Spirit. It's recorded in Ezekiel chapter 36. And verses 25 to 27, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your iniquities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so, this, this need of and this promise of inward renewal, of a, of a rebirth, of being born again from above by God, is repeated many times in the Old Testament Bible. And as we are naturally, the way we are born, we are not fit or able to have a meaningful relationship with God, a heart to heart, close relationship with him. But we need him firstly to be washing us clean internally as he as he forgives our sin and removes our guilt. Our condemnation. We need in Jesus' word to be washed with water. And we need him, secondly, to be changing us on the inside, to, to take away what is our, our rock, a uh, dead dog, a uh, dead is a dodo hearts that, that at best are kind of indifferent and, and oblivious to God and actually were pushed or, or hostile and against God. But we needed to, to remove that and be giving us a soft new heart with with a new awareness, a, a new affection for God, a genuine love and a, and a loyalty toward him from the inside so that we can begin to have this heart-to-heart, back-and-forth relationship with him. That's what happens whenever someone truly encounters and engages with Jesus. We we experience these two things in in a new birth. but we sense and know. Perhaps fledglingly at at first, but we come to realise that We've forgiven. We've been washed clean on the inside of all of our sin. And we have a new heart that, for the first time, genuinely has a a love and a desire and a loyalty for God. And and like Jesus says, we can't really see this happening to us. It's like the wind that blows. That the Spirit of God is at work when and wherever He pleases. You can't see Him bringing about this this inward transformation and real birth, rebirth. But what you can see, like right with the wind, is its effects. You can see it as someone comes to this this awareness, this realization that I have been washed clean that their sins have been forgiven. And you can see the effects of a new heart, as as this love, this this loyalty for Jesus emerges. And and from the heart, we begin to follow and and serve and obey and trust the Lord Jesus, living in a personal uh, and close heart-to-heart relationship with him. (coughs) But the new birth is a a great miracle, the greatest of miracles. It is not the spectacular outward signs and wonders that so many are seeking Jesus for. It's not going to bring about the the national, political, uh, military power and kingdom that many crave this is a personal inward often gentle often slow sometimes quick spiritual renewal and birth a fresh a fresh start, putting us into a right relationship with god from our hearts so that we love god and we are loyal to god. <coughs> now, i'm seeing that being here this morning, you, you have some interest in Jesus, that in some sense, you are seeking him. But I'm wondering whether that seeking of him and wanting to be a part of his kingdom and to live with him as king is you as a sign seeker, as it were. Looking for something spectacular and outward and really impressive. You wouldn't class yourself as a a miracle seeker as such, but maybe you're hoping that that by believing in Jesus, your your circumstances are going to change. And perhaps your marriage will improve. Or or that you'll be more successful in your job. Or that you'll just have a a healthy and a happy life. Well, at its core... That isn't what the kingdom of God is all about. That Jesus isn't willing to, to commit to and embrace sign seekers, but saviour seekers. Miracles. Changes in, in outward circumstances. Political, military, nationalistic advancement and agendas. are not what the kingdom of God is. Is fabulous. Now, by following Jesus, your outward circumstances may change. Perhaps dramatically, perhaps miraculously. But that won't be through some dramatic, miraculous, external intervention. Your circumstances will only change as you <coughs> change. As you live, knowing you're forgiven. forgiven of God, that you're washed clean. As you live with this new love and loyalty for God, as that, as that grows, as that is expressed in every area of your life. The entry into the kingdom of God, seeing it come, Happens as we are born again and changed and and keep on being changed inwardly in our hearts. Now sadly, Nicodemus, at at this point, just doesn't get it still. How can this be, he asks in verse 9, that prompting that surprise response from Jesus, (coughs) you are Israel's teacher and you do not understand these things. And at this point, Jesus goes on to explain further the Gospel, his his mission, his his reason for coming into this world. So secondly, let's look at verses 10 to 16 and think particularly about the need for Jesus to be lifted crucified. As Jesus talks in verses 11 and 12, He's not wanting us to kind of enter into speculation like Nicodemus was trying to do, but to listen to revelation, to what God it is saying, He is coming into this world to do. And central to everything that Jesus tells Nicodemus is verse fourteen. Just as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness. So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Now Again, someone familiar with the Old Testament Bible uh, should have been able, which <coughs> it was, in front of a light bulb moment, of revelation, of, of understanding heavenly truth for he would have known that Jesus was referring to an incident in the Book of Numbers that had happened while the people of Israel were coming out of uh, Egypt and going into their promised land. And not for the first time. The people had blatantly rebelled and angered God. And the punishment for sin and rebellion in the Bible is always death. If not immediately, then eternal. And, and to vividly illustrate this, God on that occasion sent hundreds of poisonous snakes into the camp. And as the snakes were, were biting and killing the people, many of them began to recognise that they were in the wrong. And Began to cry out to God in prayer, and so God told Moses, bit of an unusual thing, but to, to make a, a bronze a brass snake and to attach it to a pole, and the promise was that anyone who simply looked at that snake as it was as it was lifted up, they would be healed, they would be saved. From the judgment that was coming upon him, amazingly, Jesus is picturing himself as that snake lifted up on a pole. This is the heavenly wisdom and revelation that Nicodemus and we need to be grasping. This is the whole purpose for Jesus coming into this world, him to be lifting up, which for him would be on a wooden cross, as he was crucified and done. And, and contrary certainly to, to Nicodemus's expectation and understanding, this was to be the Messiah's greatest destiny and, and glory, while it looked to all intents and purposes as a terrible defeat and disaster. This was the centerpiece of God's plans and purposes. The very demonstration of his power and wonderfully of his love. This is what Jesus goes on to explain next in that most famous verse of all in John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world That he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have (coughs) eternal life. As as we're born again, we can (coughs) grasp something of the magnitude and the wonder of what God has done in and through his Son, Jesus Christ. We don't look for other outward miraculous signs and miracles. We're looking and seeking a saviour. Because it's there, through the cross, that we realise what happens in the rebirth was accomplished. There, it's possible for our sins to be washed away, for us to be washed with water. It is possible for us to be given new hearts that truly love God and are loyal to Him, All because of what Jesus was doing as he was lifted up on that pole. We don't have to do anything extravagant or or outwards to get this. It is ours and just looking, looking and gazing, On the Lord Jesus Christ. Simply believing in Him, not as a sign seeker, but as a Saviour seeker. As the one who has died, so that our wrong can be forgiven and our hearts can be transformed and renewed, so that we love Him truly from within. This is the great demonstration of God's love for us. That he would give his one and only Son to this death, to this destiny, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, there's an old hymn that says, There is life for a look at the crucified, that there is life at this moment for you. And it urges us, look, look, look and live. Maybe Dino says overcomplicated things, he'd externalise things, he talking at, at, at cross purposes. And so doing, he have missed our greatest danger and need is to avoid and be grasped from perishing and, and eternal death, by simply looking to and relying on our Savior. Now, of course, the news of the gospel is way more than just being spared and saved from death an eternal passion. It is that, but it is much more. There's so much more bound up in coming to life. In being born again. And Jesus wants us to grasp something more of this. And so very briefly as we close, we're we're just going to scan really verses 17 to 21, think about our need to come out of darkness and into the life. I think we'll jump down to verse 19 where we read. This is the belief. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Now, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done, has been done in the sight of God. On this earth, as we gaze, as we just look at the Lord Jesus Christ, the lifted up one, it, it brings sanity. This this new sense, this new awareness, amazement of God and this this great gift of of the forgiveness of our sins and of a new heart and desire that that genuinely loves and is loyal to us. Naturally, we we hide from scrutiny, from, from being seen and known too closely. I was thinking of the uh, of the, uh, the incident that splashed across the papers today. Philip Sophie and, uh, and his, his lie to hide and, uh, and cover up his and That's what we all do, naturally. We, we don't want to be exposed, we don't want to be <coughs> seen. And, and in some ways, you can understand why when you see some of the headlines, some of the, the condemnation that comes on people. Uh, who have done things like that, but we're all like that. And with Jesus, there is no condemnation. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, to expose us. He came to forgive us, to give us a a new birth where all that is wrong is washed clean. And from our hearts, we have a new love and affection for them. It is not at all that after we've been born again, we don't mess up. We don't make horrible mistakes. We don't want to, to hide what we've done. But when we know, when we know that we have been forgiven, when we know that there is therefore now No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When we have a a, a true love for God in our heart, a desire to be close to Him, to to walk in fellowship with Him, that that fear of of hiding and staying away gradually or suddenly evaporates so that we are able to to come close and live close, live in the light, knowing that even when we do mess up, our sins are forgiven, and we are in a living and personal relationship with God. Again, that's what the new birth works in us, this radical shift and transformation (coughs) within because before we were like of all of those around us, everyone else, we, we would hide, we would cover up, <coughs> we would live in fear and shame of being seen and found <coughs> out and exposed. Now we're beginning to be far more open and honest before God and the before one another. We're coming and have come into the light, the light of God's word and allowed him to, to search us within, so that we hear him speak, so that we hear him tell us. we We have this new heart, this new love for him. I appreciate our new birth bringing us into a whole new relationship with God. One where we live out of what God has worked in us. This forgiveness, this new desire and love for him. How we be increasing? Living in the light. Can we be gazing on our lifted up Savior? marveling, rejoicing And all all that he is working in us to bring us to life, to bring us into this new relationship. Amen.
0: Amen.